0: Questions, conversations, thought leadership, analysis, new perspectives, research, policy,
1: technology.
0: Welcome to the A Podcast. Thank you Christoph Donner for joining us here uh, on the A-Fire podcast. For those of you that don't know Christoph, uh, he is a long-standing member of A-Fire uh, and the current CEO of Allianz Real Estate of America. Uh, Allianz uh, invests in the US. Uh, they have a portfolio of exceeding $18 billion across uh, most property types uh, in both equity and debt. So I thought it would be a really interesting conversation for us to sit down with uh, Christoph on the phone here. So uh, welcome, Christoph. Um,
1: thank you, Ghana. Thank you for having me.
0: Obviously, everything that's going on right now with the COVID-19 crisis is impacting all of us a lot uh, and certainly has a great impact on our portfolios and the operations of our businesses. However, as an investor, it's really our job to be thinking more long-term. And that's why I wanted to sit down with you, Christoph, to kind of get your feel uh, as we're looking at this crisis It's actually changing things, and it's revealing a lot of things. Everything from issues with our global supply chain to inequality to issues with housing, with transportation. All these things are coming to the forefront, as well as new things that might be happening and changes that might be happening in our economy. So I wanted to kind of run through with you kind of your thoughts. Why don't we start with the perhaps with the problems that we see emerging? And then we'll go to where the opportunities might be that this crisis is revealing. So what are some of the top items that you're thinking about that are problems that are emerging out of this crisis that we need to figure out a way to address?
1: I think, I think, this is obviously really, it's a good question. And it goes very, very broad in various angles. We can we can look at it. We can look at it as immediate problems that we see in specific asset classes or that we see in specific markets. And it is always revealing in in times like crises that we are facing um, to see how some of the problems we clearly have seen coming. And nobody is surprised that retail is having a tough time. Um, But there are other asset classes that maybe we didn't see um, having an, an impact. Student housing, for example, clearly... Um, having having to deal with universities that are closed, with online learning, and the impact that this had is, is maybe something that we didn't see coming right away, you know, and that we're facing now, and and, and looking into how how the market is affecting going going forward. It also is interesting to see if you just compare Los Angeles to New York, how you know public transportation, something that was always key and always a plus. You know, for any real estate investment, because of the proximity and the way that it can transport customers and workers to their place, all of a sudden may be a disadvantage because the, the, the being confronted in in a very small place with potentially people that are sick and getting infected, versus sitting by yourself in a car in Los Angeles for an hour and a half, which is maybe less dangerous. So the, those are kind of things that were maybe surprising. Um, in, in the beginning of the crisis and I think to some extent we're still very much in the beginning understanding the impact that it will have long term for our industry.
0: You mentioned something that is is of particular interest. Student housing has been a bit of a headline uh, for anyone who is exposed to that in their portfolios because of the closing of schools but uh, there, there is also something that might linger beyond this crisis and this idea. We've had a crisis that's been emerging, especially in the United States, around the cost of education, the cost of, of university education being much greater than most people uh, can reach for. Um, and there is question about, do you actually need to reside in a college campus for four years in order to have a good education? Or is there another way to approach it? Do you see this perhaps opening up different models or different opportunities once we get past the worst of this?
1: I, I think absolutely, Gunnar. I think that is, you know, is, is opening a huge, a huge question for, you know, for for us as investors, but also for us as as parents, you know, just as a personal note, I have a a son who is currently in college and is living at home and and really online studying out of our uh, from our kitchen table really does not justify any of the of the um, college costs that we've that we've paid and and the the value of of college especially in the U S is is really in the interaction and being together and and working in teams and and kind of the ride of college life and and that's been putting into question and with that is the the return on that investment is it really worthwhile for people to go to college and spend that much money do they have to go away is online learning which is clearly you know which which is not a new thing that has been around for a while but but now it's been practiced by every student around the country and it is hard to imagine that this industry will go back to normal as it was before i don't i don't i don't see that at all people will certainly question is it worthwhile to send my kids to college? Is it worthwhile to pay for it? Is it worthwhile to take out a student loan, you know in a, in, a, in an economy that is uncertain um, to pay for my college? And I think in many cases the answer will be no.
0: Yeah, I think we're starting to see in other worlds, it's not just our students uh, and our children that are approaching universities, but how we're working. Uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, about how much of this kind of remote working, uh, for white-collar workers, could that impact our CBD office space? How do you see that playing out?
1: Uh, again, got a fantastic question. And, and and really, it's going to be really interesting to see how it actually is going to play out. And we, we, we all had the capability to participate in the video conferences for probably for a number of years now within our industry and within our respective organizations. But no one really has... Taken advantage of that and has taken advantage of it to the level that we're doing right now. And clearly, there was um, technical improvements. You know, the, the the modern tools, the the iPads and, and and laptops clearly are much easier to handle than maybe it was a few years ago. And the the broadband that we all have at home in our own Wi-Fi is much more suited for video conferences than it probably was two, three, four, five years ago. So I think that technology certainly has helped and has made these video conferences much more attainable and accessible. And, And with that, we will have to question, What do we need the office space in the same way as we've had it before? I mean, clearly to some extent you can say no, because more people are gonna work from home. It's gonna be easy to organize in a two team concept where Um, You know, you have some people working one week and others the next week. You can have a hotel concept within the office and you would need a lot less office space. On the other hand, I can also make a case for saying you're actually going to need more because people are going to not be willing to sit on top of each other. People would want to have their own desk that they know they sat at and, and not someone else, even a colleague who potentially has a virus or has some sort of a a disease that it may spread to the desk. So I I think the likelihood that people will use office space, I think is there. I think it's real, especially if people working from home more often and and moving truly to flexible work concepts, which I think this crisis really will help push the last, through the last barrier um in, in our industry as well as in other industries. It always has been frowned upon to kind of work from home. Are people really available? Are they really efficient? Um, and not every company, even within our industry, was as willing to, to go through this. Now seeing it and seeing how much you actually get done at home and how much you can combine it with childcare or helping in, you know, your 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 elderly or being active in your community, is, is going to be something that the, the, the work is going forward, are going to demand.
0: Well, I like the way that you're approaching this. It's, it's less of a, a binary, yes, there will be offices. No, there won't be offices in the future, but more of a, an evolution as we've learned a new way of thinking about space and what we work with. Um, it, I think it's going to be a pretty nuanced uh, thing that will happen over time, That uh, you know, especially based on the things that you were saying. I think it's this kind of evolution of thought and of habit. You know, a friend of mine talked recently about how it takes about six weeks to accumulate a new habit. We have not been in the habit of getting on a, on a conference call, video call, uh, for regular meetings uh, until now. We've now spent the last six to eight weeks doing video calls across the country, um, it's now becoming a new habit, I think, for a lot of people. And I wonder if that will replace some of the some of the time that executives like yourself spend on an airplane uh, getting to other cities or how much do you think that will change?
1: Undoubtedly, I think I think that 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 will change and that has to change. I think we. the the, the the video conferencing, you know, as as we're getting used to, we're also getting better at it. You know, remember that if, if you think of the first video conferences that you had four, five, 10, 15 people on, you know, there's background noises, people didn't know how to get on mute, you couldn't share your screen, you know, now everybody is getting used to it. Everybody's getting better at it. So you 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 actually, the efficiency within your Zoom meetings or your WebEx meetings is, is increasing because people actually, are getting used to the tech technology and getting really good at it. You know, we're sharing a sharing your screen. You're looking at all at the presentation, the spreadsheets. You're going through numbers. People are disciplined about how they um, use a the chat room while while being on a video conference. So I think we'll see that, and with that, these video conferences are going to get better and um, and even more efficient. And clearly. We will question ourselves if we're going to go on on the plane, if that's really warranted. You know, traveling for the last couple of years in the US really hasn't been that much of a pleasure, given all the restrictions uh, between, you know, the TSA and, and, and checking onto the airline and and, and everything, delays and, and weather issues. And, and will we continue to travel on planes? Absolutely. Will I be flying from New York to LA several times a year? I think so. But I certainly will make it worthwhile if I if I do travel and all the short trips, the you know a quick hop to Boston or Chicago. I think that is something you're going to really question if it's worthwhile for a day to 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 step on the plane. And and I think companies, you know, and we're all in the service business, you know, are going to be more accepting to say no, we don't need to see X, Y, Z in person for the pitch. It is okay to do it via video conference and. Um, and with that, it, it will become more efficient. It becomes easier for us, but it's also going to be less demanding on the environment. And, and clearly, Allianz has a—that's a, a big topic for Allianz: ESG and and becoming carbon neutral as a as a global organization. And and jumping on the plane certainly is not you know energy efficient. And and so with that, avoiding that travel helps um, two fronts you know, on your own efficiencies on the carbon side. And, and obviously it's also cheaper. So it's actually three wins. So. One
0: one thought that I, a slightly different subject that I'd love to touch on, especially since Allianz is absolutely a global player, certainly is is active in so many markets around the world. We're certainly seeing uh, stress uh, and distress in the global supply chain and in the relationships that we have around the world uh, that, As much as this crisis has affected all of us, in many cases, uh, countries and people across countries have been incredibly cooperative and helpful. But there's also been some real stress, specifically with countries like China, around transparency, around cooperation, and around global trade. How do you see some of these trends playing out, perhaps, uh, over the next uh, few years? What are you encouraged by? What are you... Concerned about?
1: I think clearly at at this point in time, I think there are certainly concerns. I think there will be repercussions um, when when all of this is said and done. In order to see which countries have acted transparently transparent transparent in that matter, which countries didn't, where did it come from, how did it spread, what you know, how did individual countries deal with that, and I think that will have. An impact on relationships, not just the obvious one between China and the US, but even, you know, within you know uh, my home continent Europe, you know, to see how do how do these countries deal with it? How do they help each other? There's the ever uh, never ending discussions on euro bonds and the corona bonds and how they're going to help help each other and become uh, you know, create more solidarity among the the countries. But in practical matters, I do think that. In the U.S., people will look at their supply chains and they will say, is it worthwhile for me to to have all these uh, uh, risks that I'm taking by pr- producing in different countries or moving my goods uh, into four or five different places before they ultimately come here? Or do I man- manufacture back home or maybe I'm manufacturing in Mexico? Which is is still cheaper, but but much closer, and I can control that supply chain much better than what I can do right now. So I think that that will that will certainly happen and and, and people will um, will will look at it and and there will be a change in behavior. in in my mind, that is that is is very clear.
0: Well, and perhaps we could even talk about it less as a uh, as a turnaround or a change in behavior, and more of a an expansion of a trend that has been in place—a kind of onshoring trend with robotics, three D printing, uh, the idea of getting closer to your marketplace uh, with your manufacturing. I I wonder how much of that will expand as well.
1: Yeah, I think very clearly. I mean, you, you'll you'll see. Things that you know, the the technology and the use of technology, similar to what we discussed on the video conferences, we see the the self checkout out in grocers and the willingness the willingness to to use online shopping, especially for groceries, not just for your you know regular product on online, but but pushing it into every element of the of the retail chain. You know, we will see that in certain service functions. You know, why are we exposing? Why do we need to expose? You know, healthcare workers to these um, um, to these circumstances and conditions. Is there a way to use robots for that, or at least for a portion of that? Um, it, we're using drones for site visits, site inspection. So, so all that that adoption of technology is going to go. Uh, further and further and, and again it will simplify uh, supply chains and again you you tr- you will try to get closer to the client because it's ultimately cheaper and and, and you in control of, of, of that supply chain.
0: When you think about these trends that are happening all around us, uh, where do you think, because you look across a, a broad uh, multi-asset portfolio, where do you think the the uh, opportunities or the, the the positives that are going to come out of some of these changes, where that's going to hit in terms of real estate? and And what do you think some of the challenged sectors are going to be, the ones that you're going to be most concerned about going forward?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, the Again, the, the industrial sector and especially last mile is is, is going to continue to be the beneficiary of this of this trend, no doubt. I think um, the the data centers, data provider uh, will be another big beneficiary, just because the the amount of data that that will be using is is continued to, to 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 grow. Anything that that will be Show flexibility, flexibility in in their workspace setup, in you know, a physical work concepts, and not necessarily co-working, but really how is office space designed, and how can we use that? You know, will will have an impact on on office, and and, and potentially be be positive. I think multifamily, ultimately, um, which is as stable as the class, and will remain stable because people need. To live somewhere, you know. I think um, we can see potentially, um, you know, the uh, what used to be a, a luxury in New York City to have a a weekend home now maybe becomes a necessity. Maybe it becomes your emergency shelter, you know, if crises like these occur more frequently. I think for people who are gonna look at their large homes, which were seen as a burden. It's because of the large taxes and, and 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 so on and so forth. Now it may be something that you know what that extra room that you have may maybe maybe may not be such a bad idea, you know, for your college kids to to come home. So I think the, the residential side is gonna is gonna change, you know, the 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 way that residential is gonna be built out is gonna be better. You know, negative impacts clearly on the on the retail side. Negative impacts. Um, You know, we talked about, you know, senior assistant living. We've seen that that sector has a really, really tough, um, uh, tough space. And then, you know, the the shared economy, Airbnb versus hotels. It's going to be interesting to see that, you know, are people willing to stay in a hotel which provides a certain service, a certain cleaning protocol versus a somewhat unknown Airbnb complex? How is it going to play out? So so I think the the winners clearly industrial. Anything related to data, anything that shows flexibility, the negative side, really tough times for malls, especially if they are not necessary in their product offering. Um, senior and assistant living is going to be a topic that I think is going to be challenged. And and we discuss student housing.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a that's a great assessment, and uh, all of these, I think we're going to need to watch quite a bit. Um, and and again, I just want to circle back a little bit more. Uh, Alliance is known for their focus on sustainability and real estate and 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 trying to address the global warming issue. Um, I wonder, do you think that there that this crisis, uh, beyond uh, simply uh, all of us now working from home and uh, driving our cars. So now we have clean air in our cities. But do you think that there will be some meaningful change uh, in terms of how we address both from the built environment perspective and perhaps from the the, the broader society and economy uh, climate change? Do you think this will give us opportunity to, to start making some real progress in that area?
1: I, I think going forward you have to be po- positive and you have to be optimistic that the society can change and can continue to change for the better. I think there are real lessons to be learned here in terms of how we treat and pay people. There is it's really going to be a controversy into how much oversight do we want from government, uh, how much do we need. I think that's going to be a debate um, and I think it's going to be very clear that these global problems like a pandemic is not something we can solve you know individually in our own country. We have to deal with it in a global approach. And maybe if there is some silver lightning, maybe this was the last warning for us to really start dealing with the with the big issue, which is climate change, you know, and something that's dramatically changing us and which we don't find a vaccine for. And 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 maybe dealing with something now on a global scale will will really make us Focus on on these global problems and, and find a way to tackle them. Can only hope for that.
0: Absolutely, I think that's a that's a really good thought for us to hold on to and maybe finish with here for this podcast. This idea of of, of perhaps this is a call uh, for renewed global cooperation, and globalization. Um, And uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, you are as optimistic as you are, and that uh, you and your colleagues at Allianz are are continuing to fight the good fight. So thank you so much uh, for joining us on this call. Excellent. Thank you for having me. And before we close out this podcast, I wanted to make sure we took some time to thank our underwriters, Prologis, JLL, and Holland Partners, who make it possible for AFIRE to provide programming such as these podcasts. Thank you. This podcast is produced by AFIRE, the Association for International Real Estate Investors focused on commercial property in the United States. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. None of the content is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included in this podcast may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. This is Gunnar Branson from the AFIRE podcast. Thank you for listening.